0: Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations for me and my guest who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Guys, I'm really excited to have Kirsten with us today. She is an amazing an amazing mama. And she is going to be sharing her story of adoption and waiting and infertility with us today. And she's an author and I think she wears a whole bunch of other hats that she's going to have to tell us about because I'm not familiar with all of them. I just know that she is an amazing writer. So Kirsten, can you introduce yourself and your family and just all about you?
1: Absolutely. It's so nice to meet you and be here. And I'm so happy everybody who's listening right now, listening, watching, um, you're here for a reason. Uh, this is the place you're supposed to be to not feel alone, to feel like there's somebody else who's been through some of the stuff that you're going through or that you're on the brink of going through. Um, My name is Kirsten. Number one hat is mom. It's what I always wanted to be. Um, And it was a hard fought journey. Uh, So I always, you know, when when I'm doing like my my bios and things like that, it's always like mom first. Like that is not fourth in line. That is first. Um, I also happen to be a host on QVC um, Emmy award award award-winning journalist. Um, I was in news for a very, very long time. So I did um, investigative reporting and things like that for a very long time for ABC. Um, I'm an author, a a two-time author, faith-based inspirational books that, um, really help you kind of get through the different parts of your life. And that, that's pretty much my heart. So faith and family, and fitness. So, those are kind of my big three, um, and with family and faith being number
0: one. It makes me so happy. Um, I would love for you to tell us more about your family and how you guys came sure. to being kind of your journey to becoming a mom. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, super long story, which is why I wrote a whole book about it. Uh, but my um, desire to be a mother and my husband's to be a father um, started a couple of years after we got married in our 20s, start, tried to have babies, didn't happen, had um, miscarriage, um, had unexplained infertility. And so for a few years, I felt like I was walking around underneath a dark cloud. I mean, I was in my late 20s. Uh, everybody else was having children. And it It was such a blow to just my life and trying to figure out what the Lord had planned for me and why this was going on and not being sure that I'd ever be a mom. We always had adoption as an idea because my brother was adopted and my sister-in-law are adopted. So it was something very common, wonderful, lovely in our families already. And so when we thought, let's just go straight to adoption, it was that was probably the easiest conversation in all of this that we had. For some of you out there, that'll be the hardest conversation for you to have, because when you decide to adopt, um, there's a lot that comes with it. Sometimes people will say to me, oh, I'm just going to adopt. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> oh, it's not that easy. Uh, none of it is. And it's a lifelong thing. Um, but also you have to understand if you, if you are going down that path, oftentimes that means there will be a loss on the other side, a loss for your child. Of their birth family, but also a loss for you of carrying a baby. And I think that's something that a lot of women and men don't think about um, so much. For us, adoption was a, was a great opportunity. And so we started right away and we didn't have a lot of money, which is very common. <laughs> and adoption is super, super expensive. And we made all the mistakes and all the bad stuff happened. And we, and all the good stuff happened too, though, at the same time. So we signed up with a facilitator um, who specialized in high-risk pregnancies. So we had phone calls within the first couple of weeks of, there is a, there's a mama giving birth right now. She's got cerebral palsy. She's blind. We don't know what's happening with the child. Do you want to be submitted? And we're 20 nothings, and we're like, what is this God's plan for us? Meanwhile, we're still going through infertility treatments um, and failing over and over again. Infertility, um, unexplained infertility continued to wreak it in... Um, Uh, Fertile embryo transfers, IVF, IUIs, we end up getting matched in January with a birth mom who was four months along, seemed healthy, right? Um, And there's good and bad about being matched early on. The good is you get to be there for the journey, get to go to the doctor's appointments, get to see what's happening. The bad is you are there for the journey. And and holding the hand of, of a birth family who's giving up their baby is... That's a sacrifice. That's some God's love right there that is serving on other people. And it is mental and emotional turmoil, though, for the waiting parents as well. A month after we got um, matched with her, God bless her, chose us to um, adopt her baby. I did become pregnant through a last round of fertile embryo transfer. So a lot of people will be like, oh, well, you were going to adopt. So that's why you got pregnant. Nope. (laughs) I was still going through uh, fertility. It just all happened to happen at the same time. So our lovely firstborn was born in June, and then our lovely secondborn was born in November. Um, both just amazing but hard processes. Sometimes I I think, um, wow, it would have been nice to just have a single easy baby. But you know what? I don't know if that exists. I don't know if that's a really a thing, right? Everybody's journey is different, whether you fall into bed and get pregnant or you go through adoption whatever it might be. Um, Fast forward a few years, we did decide to try again. We had some frozen um, embryos. So we tried to get pregnant again and miscarried some more. So then we decided to go into adoption. And I say that lightly. It was years of my husband and I talking because his biggest, his biggest thing. And I remember this to this day, it chokes me up is him saying over and over again. I don't know if I can see you go through that again. I don't know if I can see you suffer miscarriage again. And I don't know if I can see you suffer the loss when you're waiting for a baby and a birth mother changes her mind, which we went through, or um, you aren't picked or whatever it might be, because when you're waiting as an adoptive parent, it's just as painful when you lose that baby as it is when you're waiting and you're pregnant. It really is. And I've been through both. So he was, torn apart because he didn't want to see the pain that trying to create a family caused. But one day he was sitting there watching TV and I walked in and he was crying and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, you know, I was watching something and they were talking about how there's all these kids out there who need love and hugs. And you know what? We give really good hugs. And he's like, we need to adopt again. So we did. And it was again, very hard. We got four months through with a birth mother who chose us and a week before she was set to give birth and we had told our daughters that they were going to get a sibling. She changed her mind and that tore us apart and said, we'd never do it again. We lost all of our money. It was horrible. Four months later, we get a phone call from our facilitator saying, I know you guys said no, but there is literally a woman almost down the street from you in Philadelphia. And my facilitator is in Los Angeles, by the way. So we usually get babies from California and she's like, she only speaks Spanish. We know you guys speak Spanish. My daughter's Mexican. Could you just go talk to her? So we did. And two weeks later, our son was born. Um, And our family of three um, kind of bookended with our, (laughs) with our, our Mexican, our Honduran, and then our little German girl in the middle. So perfect. Perfect horrible, wonderful, all of the things, but like all families are though. Right.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm so tempted to say, and I'm not saying this, but I'm just tempted to say like, Oh, well you went through all of that. And yeah, whatever. I like the reason why you went through it. Like, I feel like that Christian ease of like, Hey, you went through all of this so that you could do X, right. Y, and Z. Right. And I'm like, no, no, no. I like, I'm talking to myself. I'm like, no, like you went through all of this hard and God is using it, redeeming it um, and loving on other mamas. But that's not what he wanted for you like that. Yeah. And so no, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry that your road I has been reading, so hard.
1: I was reading something this morning in my devotions. Um, when, um, Oh, there's one. Hi. Let me have a little minute with Jeff. <laughs> this is my, hey, buddy? um, that you know when when Lazarus died and and i think it was Martha who was just like torn apart and yeah. Jesus wept right there right and some people say oh it's because he was seen the, un, the the lack of faith by those who he was around and then no most will say no he had a heart for those people who had lost somebody that died. And that's what the Lord is doing. He is sitting with you in that pain. And I had to allow myself in those years and years of darkness, of infertility, of of waiting for a baby, of waiting for the adoption to be final, of not knowing if they were gonna take away my child, because that was a very real possibility in numerous times, that the Lord was sitting there holding me and um, weeping with me and not wanting me to go through this pain. And that idea of you go through through this for a reason, I actually wrote almost a whole chapter about that because that's one of the things that women who are going through infertility or waiting in adoption, people will say to you, oh, this happened for a reason. And it's not just you out there who are going through that. It's also those of you who have lost a family member, who have lost a job, who have gotten sick. Oh, well, it's all happening for a reason. And I really hate that because... No, it's not happening for a reason. It's happening. And Jesus is the reason that you're gonna make it through. And your faith and the way that you you still find joy and the ability to be vulnerable and tell it every other other people about it and share your story in that pain. That's that's how this is gonna this is gonna work out for you.
0: Amen. I'm like a bucket of tears over here. I'm just.
1: Me too, always.
0: Here we go. Okay. Um, I love anytime I wear mascara, I like put on mascara today and I don't normally do that, but anytime I wear mascara, I always cry. Yeah. I would learn. Don't. Um, Hey, let's take a quick break. Mama, I know that you are doing a great job, but maybe there's something you've been neglecting like yourself or your marriage, the rest of your family or the systems in your home. Or maybe you're just ready for a change but you don't know where to start that's where we come in mama systems can help you put systems in place so that your family is more organized more peaceful and more balanced and so that you feel like you can get everything done that you need to get done during the day we'll help make sure that you have a plan to advocate for your child in school and in the community that you take care of yourself your marriage and the rest of your family and that you have systems in place to help build teamwork mentality in your home and make daily life more manageable. All of this is doable and you deserve it, Mama. Check out mamasystems.net today. All right. Back to our show. What would you say, like when when people responded to you that way and when people are responding to our listeners that way of just like, oh, this happens for a reason of like a foster kid being taken away or I mean, the list, the myriad of things that could go wrong in an adoption, right? How do you, how did you handle that? And how would you encourage other moms to handle that?
1: Well, when I was 29 or 28 um, and I was going through that, I was angry. I would get angry at them. You know, it was very easy to be like, I'm not going to talk to you. And oftentimes it's family members, right? It's people who are close to you who just don't know what to say. Um, friends who already have kids I remember I have one friend who she'd always say, no, I'm, I know you're going to have kids. And I was so angry at her because I'm like, you don't know. Um, and, and she's like, oh, is this is it just, just happening to you, the right baby for you. And now I'm 45, looking back, having gone through this, it is so necessary that we give them grace in this because somebody who is watching you suffer doesn't know what to say. Somebody who hasn't been through this doesn't know what to say. So we need to give those people as much grace as we're giving ourselves, but you need to give yourself grace to be like, you know what? I'm going to remove myself from this situation, or I'm not going to have that conversation with any of them anymore because it's painful. So, um, you really have to protect your mind. I had an OBGYN who I was, when I did get pregnant and stayed pregnant that one single time in my life. I was a a bucket of nerves the entire time, just scared the entire time. And he's like, Kirsten, Kirsten, you have to protect your mind. And I feel like if you're going through adoption and you're in a waiting period and you don't know what the outcome's going to be, you have to protect your mind there as well. So you need to seek out the people like this podcast, like the books that'll help you. Um, That's part of the reason why I started sharing my story was um, I was working for ABC News. I had to go on two maternity leaves during one, you know, maternity leave for Grace who was adopted and then a maternity leave for the baby inside of me, Georgia, people were like, what's going on? So the network was like, would you do a blog? This was the beginning of blogs. And I was like, sure. But what I found was there were so many women who had gone through similar struggles in waiting to become a parent and that I was giving them an outlet to share their story and to be able to say, I see you. And I understand and have the, um, the opposite side of the coin from the people who were saying things like, Oh, it's okay. Just relax. It'll be fine. It'll happen for a reason.
0: Yeah. I find that so often, like I am reading this book right now called hold on tight. And it's all about raising children with mental illness. And we have several in our home that have mental things going on. And so reading her book, it sounds like some of the things she says are like so crass of like, I mean, not really. Cause I feel that way all the time. <laughs> But it just right. like, if I were just a normal person or just reading it, I would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's talking about her kids that way. But being on this side of it, I'm like, oh God, look, she's, she's saying that out loud. Like it gives me so much freedom. And I feel like I'm pretty vocal about how, how hard they are and how, like all the things, right. But just even reading that, I'm like, okay, good. I'm doing okay. I can say this out loud and nobody's going to like kill me or something. Right. And so I, I'm so much freedom and joy and grace in that of just hearing somebody else share their heart and. Feeling like okay, I'm I'm not alone, and just that community piece of it all, and that vulnerability piece of it all, and um, I, that's just a beautiful thing. And so I'm really grateful that you were brave and stepped out there and were vulnerable with the world. That's huge.
1: And that community piece is so big, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I just got back, and I think this is where you found me actually, from doing some missionary work in Mexico for, for a few months, and I found that I one of the big parts of the reason why. We felt so good down there and we're so much closer to the Lord and just happy, <laughs> um, even though you're living in much more poverty than you are back here in the United States, was that community. Every, I, I, I liken it to, because there was so much poverty down there, you had to rely on your neighbors. You had to ask them for help. Whereas here, we're very able to be like, oh no. I mean, I don't, I don't need anything. I'm fine. I can, you know, I can Uber eats it or I can Amazon it or you don't need to help me. It's going to be fine. But that takes us away from people. If we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and say out loud, I'm having a challenge with my child who has special needs, who is going through a mentally hard time, please help me, please. Could you, could you deliver a meal? Could you pick something up? Could you pick somebody up for me? Could you help me? Once you become vulnerable with them, they become vulnerable with you. You create a community and then we, it really does scientifically release oxytocin and dopamine and the good things that are going to help us get through these hard times. So we have to have that community when you're going through this and that, that goes for parenting, even just by itself. You don't have to have a special needs child or have adopted or any of that. You still need that.
0: Yeah. And I think I, I make up when it gets real, real hard, like real fast. um, And you are like, Oh gosh, what's going on with my kids? And it feels like complete chaos. It's easier to ask for help, but it's that like fine line. of feeling like, I think I got it. It's a little hard right now. I'm not going to do that, but I think just taking that step and moving into that and asking for help is so, so big. And so, yes, thank you. Yeah. I um, oh, wait, I wanted to ask you another question. Obviously it'll come. It will. <laughs> oh, I, I wanted to see uh, like, So through having your adopted kiddos, Mm -hmm. what has been the most challenging thing and what has been the most rewarding thing?
1: Um, Well, rewarding uh, all of it. I mean... What do they say? Like the the days are long, but the are the hours are long. I don't know. Something about it going by fast, but it really goes by long. Um, <laughs> I totally butchered that. <laughs> <laughs> days are long, but I mean, years
0: like, are short.
1: That's who it is. So when I look back at it as a whole, it's just like if 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 we were looking, we were talking about colors. Like it would be just the color of love and joy and wonderful. If you zoom in, you see it pixelated as this was horrible. This was hell. This was the hardest day. You know, this was the hardest year. All of those type of things. So, you know, five hundred feet view. It's the best thing I ever did. Like I I would have a football field full of children if I had money, time, and money and time. Um, the love the learning the hu- the humility that comes from being a parent and messing up every single day and knowing that it's okay God's got you they're gonna love you um the hardest part um, it was it's been hard raising two that are five months apart like almost. Uh, almost twins, but not quite twins. So that's been a little challenging, um, throughout the years for sure, but trying to navigate and trust that you're making the, the right decision when it comes to sharing their story, because I talk a lot about sharing the story because it helps others, but it's also their story. You know, I have, I have a daughter who's adopted and one that was IVF. And then I have a son that's adopted. And, um, a lot of people from the outside will look in too and be like, you shouldn't be talking about that. But I truly feel for me and for my family that we are helping people. Like when the first book came out, it was a lot of how can you write about your kids like this? And I was like, because God put us here to share this story so we could help others. So it's been very hard, always second-guessing yourself. And I think that's the same in any anything in life, right? As you second-guess yourself and you just have to trust that you're hearing the right thing to do. So that's been a big challenge.
0: Yeah, I love the idea of like the zooming out and then the zooming in. Oh yeah, Yeah. that does make sense. Just so often people will say things like, Oh, it's so wonderful. And I'm like, no, it's not wonderful. It's just awful. It's horrible. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel wonderful at all. Um, But you're right. When I have the big picture view, when I can kind of step back and think about all of life it that is beautiful. I love that. Um, I love the idea also of sharing their story. And I think often in the adoption community, it's like, it's their story. Don't say anything to anybody about it. or And maybe that's a good approach for some people, but I kind of have flipped the other way too of, no, I need to share their story. This is exactly why I have three children with FASD so that I can help other people who don't know about FASD or have a kid with FASD and don't know about it. So um Yeah. I love that. I love that perspective. And I love sharing that. And
1: the other thing I've learned within that is if you aren't talking about their story. um, So if I didn't bring light to the fact that, yes, I am not Mexican, but my daughter is obviously when we look at each other, like obviously, right? Um, And yes, I am her mommy. I am her mom, but she has a B-ma, which is what we call them. So we have, everybody has a mommy and a daddy, but not everybody's mommy and daddy. Are their Bima and their bepa, which is birth mother and be birth father. So that's how we that's how we talk about it. So her Bima and Bpa are different than her mommy and daddy. And not everybody has a, a Bima and a bepa. But if I if I gloss over it and go, no, all my kids are the same and we're all just love and we're all just part of the same family, that doesn't allow them to be them. Her being Mexican, him being Honduran, her having this other part, blood part of her out there, a Bima and a Bipa, is something that we need to be able to talk about with her and, and let her talk about and be able to share because it makes her who she is. And if we try to gloss over it and don't talk about the fact that she's adopted and don't talk about the fact that she's Brown and we're white, that, that makes her feel less than right. It makes her feel like those parts of her aren't wonderful, which they are.
0: Yeah. And so it moves into celebrating her and yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. Mm. I also really like the be ma and the be pa and i might have yeah. to steal that you should <laughs> we always say birth mama and look like, i think i like B be ma better that's really cute
1: make it just a little bit shorter it's one of my i have to again give people grace it's one of my hardest things though to hear people say her real mom or her real dad yeah. have you met her? Or, or, or like asking her do you miss your real mom um i'm like i am her real mom <laughs> Do people, <laughs> You know, so it, we early on did the be ma, be pa and mommy and daddy so that of course she gave birth to her. I am indebted to that woman forever. Love her, but I'm her mommy. That's her birth mommy. So we did be ma, be pa and mommy, daddy early on.
0: I love that. Do you guys have an open adoption? We
1: don't. The, um, we really lead, let our birth mothers lead. So when we went into both of the situations, we said, if you want it, we will do it. They both wanted it for the very beginning. Um, one of them asked for three years, but she stepped away after the second. Um, and then the other one asked for the first couple of months and then have had no contact. They have my phone number um, I'm a public figure. They can find me. They have my email addresses. If they ever want to be in contact, I'm way open. Um, but I let them, I let them lead and we haven't had any contact. And I think there's, you know, I've done a lot of studying of what's the best age. If you if your adopted children want to go find them and there's definitely developmental times in their brain when it's a good time to do it. And it's not a good time to do it. Um, I believe though, at some point, especially my daughter will want it have some connection and then we'll try and find her. Um, my, I don't know my son right now at six, it's, it's too, it's too early to tell.
0: Yeah. Does he understand the concept of everything? He does. He totally gets it. He does
1: because, because the other part of being adopted that we did early on was like, they'd be like, we'd be changing diapers and we'd be like, um, are you smart? Yay. Are you, do you love Jesus? Yay. You know, like with the babies, um, are you Mexican? Yay. Are you adopted? Yay. So we would make it loud and happy and excited because when you go into groups of people and they go, Oh, that's her adopted child. You know, that's her kid. That's her adopted son. Like everybody tends to say it quietly, hide it, darkness. Right. And we're like, no, it's yay. It's wonderful. It's who you are. So everybody gets it.
0: All of our kids. Yes. Yeah. So my kids know that they're adopted. Like they go to adopted mm-hmm. camp and they talk about that all year long and like all those things, but I don't, They don't really understand the concept of it yet. Like there's an adopted camp. hmm
1: you have, to, you have to email me that. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's great.
0: Here, and they have really? this amazing resource where you go drop off your kids. They're, it's like three days max, but yeah. they take them and like spoil them rotten. And it's so fun. And it's all about celebrating. They have a little birthday there for them and celebrate their birthday. It's So sweet. I love it. It's a great ministry. I got distracted by that. I have ADD and I'm like, sometimes I feel it a lot. Especially when I make conversations with people like her.
1: Well, you also Uh, have three kids and you're a woman taking care of three kids and a family and a life and a career. So it's totally, totally, totally understandable.
0: We actually have 10 kids and just three of them are adopted.
1: Just the three that are adopted. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's amazing. You can string words together.
0: It it is. All day long. I've been planning the summer and I feel like I deserve an award for like the schedule marrying that I've done. Mm It would be amazing if I actually did it right, but I today was like, I think I need an award for this. because <laughs> it just feels like my brain is so fried. I probably shouldn't have done that before I talked to you, but here we are. Um, okay. Is there any last encouragement that you would give mamas that are just in those hard waiting seasons besides buying your book and sharing in that journey, um, with all of your vulnerability, is there anything that you would say to them?
1: So I want you to think of waiting Um, and this whole concept of waiting started for me, obviously when we were waiting to become parents, um, in those four years. And then when we were waiting again for the adoption to be finalized and we weren't quite sure if that was going to happen, if they were going to change their mind. And then when we all went through it again and we were waiting and then we couldn't find the birth father and we were waiting. And yet there's this, You want to get through it, right? That's what you keep on saying to yourself. If I can just, if we can just get to the final adoption hearing, if we can just get him to sign the paperwork, if we can just get the the birth certificate. And I want you to take that kind of out of it. And I want you to try and be as completely present as you can. And it's uncomfortable, whatever you're waiting. And this is, this would apply to anybody as well. If you're waiting through a bad diagnosis or you're waiting through a job loss, anything, understand that you're in this waiting room. And that you're waiting to get to the other side of that door, right? And you're like, if I can just open that, that door and get through, everything's going to be fine. But when you open that door, there's going to be another waiting room because the way that our lives work and the way that our good Lord works us through this is he's stringing together those waiting rooms and he's waiting for you to understand that the goodness is in every waiting room you need to look around you need to see if there's somebody else in that waiting room with you that you need to minister to that you need to share with that you need to be vulnerable with you need to you need to see if there's something on the walls that you need to read so imagine being content in that waiting room because the doors are all going to open a lot faster if you can get comfortable in the wait that you're in. And sometimes using using that kind of imagery in your head kind of just helps get through it a little better. The, the quicker that you can find joy, even in the hard, find pockets of happy, as I call them, even in the hard waiting rooms, the easier it's going to be to go from wait to wait.
0: loved everything you said. I'm just a... A teary mess here. I'm, I'm really so grateful. Thank you, Kirsten, for coming Thank on and for- sharing your story and your journey. Will you tell us where everybody can find you?
1: Absolutely. I, I have a website. It's kirsten-linquist.com. Um, very active on Instagram the most, which is Kirsten.linquist. You will find all my um, QVC stuff out there as well, but the more personal stuff is usually where I, I share all of this heart
0: beautiful. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. It was great to meet you. You too.
0: Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. If this episode blessed you at all, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with others? This, as you know, will help other mamas find us and in turn will bless them. Hey, thanks so much for trusting us with your time today.